You know, this first reading this, uh, today is um, what I would consider a beautiful expose of the life of King David. Sirach, as we heard, begins with a beautiful image when he says, like the choice fat of the sacred offerings, the choice fat of sacred offerings, so was David in Israel. And then Sirach chooses to summarize the life of King David in this grand fashion. He lists all of David's accomplishments throughout his life. You know, killing of Goliath, the defeat of the Philistines, the praises he received from others because of his accomplishments, the many songs and prayers that he wrote. And we heard, with every deed he offered thanks to God Most High in words of praise. With his whole being, he loved his maker, and daily had his praises sung. But if we are to read the accounts from the books of Samuel and Chronicles, his sins would be revealed. He committed adultery. He murdered a loyal servant. He forgot his role as a steward of God's people. The only thing that Zerach has to say about his sins is that the Lord forgave him. And that's enough, I think. However, but I think listing out the sins might would have been a little bit. We get a better picture of who David really was. By Zerach's description, it was all glory. But God would not let David build his temple, would he? since his hands had shed too much blood. But by Sirach's account, David is a hero. And perhaps he is a hero in many ways, but he's also a human being, oftentimes ruled by his disordered passions, like we are, that led him to sin. But Herod, too, was a king, right? And like King David, King Herod also was ruled by his disordered passions. We heard about them in the, first, in, the, in the gospel this morning. The difference between the two, David and Herod, David repented of his sins. Herod could not bring himself to do so. He could not bring himself to respond to John the Baptist's call to repentance. So he died a weak, cowardly man. David died a man who knew deeply the mercy of God. Think about that. Where are we on that spectrum, right? You know, the biblical notion of repentance is not just confessing sin, although that's important, but it involves a willingness to turn one's life around, a conversion of mind and heart, a turning away from sin and, completing, com and turning completely toward God, to undo the negative and do the positive, we might say, or to get our act together, to shape up. Repentance is that the sinner forsakes his or her sin and puts it out of his thoughts and fully resolves in his mind or her mind that he will not do it again. 
Why would one want to repent or reform our lives? Not because, as we often say in the act of contrition, we dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but because the reign of God is at hand. God's mercy is at hand. God's reign of unconditional love, mercy, and compassion and healing is knocking at the door of your hearts and my heart. This is the promise. The kingdom of God is at hand. But to put it in maybe perhaps an even simpler way, repentance is the recognition and ownership, I might say, that I am infinitely loved by God, infinitely loved by God, that I have sometimes failed to live up to that love, and I need his mercy. How many of us got up this morning and said, Lord, I need your mercy, right? Or is that something far from our minds? We turned on the radio or the TV instead. Repentance in the end is giving God a free hand to work in my life as he wants. I mean, this is supremely freeing if we do that, supremely freeing. It means that I just, I don't have to save myself, which so many of us try to do, don't we? But that would be kind of a heresy we're living if that's the case, if we think we're trying to, we can save ourselves. Jesus always pointed out that true repentance means accepting that God is free to work in our lives as he sees best. Even though we're sinners, that he is God, he loves us so much and knows what is best for us and he wants what is best for us. In other words, our merciful God gives us the opportunity to, to retrace our steps. How do we do that? Well, we do it through the sacrament of penance. You know, many people today fear Confession, fear confession. Well, then you're afraid of the mercy of God if you fear confession. Let me say that again. If you fear confession, you fear the mercy of God. You fear the love of God, the overwhelming love of God. Is that any way to be a disciple of Jesus? To fear the love that he desires to pour upon us? If, if confession is a sacrament of penance is an encounter of Christ's love, why would we fear that? Why would we fear that? Remember the words of St. Paul, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Because Jesus is the face of the Father's mercy. We should never fear confessing our sins, never. In fact, we should do it far more often than we do if we're serious about our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Here's a beautiful story. I've shared this before, but I think it's worth repeating. It's a beautiful story about St. Jerome. You know, so he's the one who spent years translating the Bible into the language of the day, right? And so after many years spent in Jerusalem translating the Bible, Jerome finished this massive project just days before Christmas. And to celebrate this great accomplishment, he decided to spend Christmas Eve in nearby Bethlehem, 
praying in the, in the many grottos that span all across the countryside. And as the story goes, somewhere around midnight, Jesus appeared to him and said, Jerome, what will you give me for my birthday? And Jerome said, Lord, I will give you my translation of your word. But instead of congratulating him, Jesus replied, no, Jerome, that's not what I want. Jerome was speechless and he began to complain, as we all like to do, right? Ask him why he had let him go on for 40 years that it took to translate this Bible and be far away from home, laboring at something other than what God wanted from him. But Jesus remained silent as Jerome began suggesting other ways of honoring his birthday. Oh, fasting, oh, I'll become a hermit, giving all of his possessions to the poor. And to each one of these, Jesus replied, no, Jerome, that's not what I want. So finally, in exasperation, Jerome said, then tell me, Lord, tell me what, tell me what would give you the most joy on your birthday, and you shall have it. Jesus said, do you promise, Jerome, do you promise? Yes, Lord, anything at all. And Jesus replied, Give me your sins. Give me your sins. Because for Jesus, more than any service we can give him, Jesus considered it a gift that we allow him to take away our sins. Why? Because he thirsts for you and for me. He longs for union with us. And he knows, and we should know, that sin blocks that union. The only obstacle to that union is sin, which in his eyes sin becomes the most precious gift we can offer him. Do we have the humility to offer him such a gift?